3: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Ryan Payne and Bob Payne filming this week for Steve as he uh, travels across the country on a beautiful, magnificent fall weekend here in New York City. Doesn't get better than this. And, Bob, I got to tell you, you know, end of the week off with a big, big rally in the stock market, you know, nothing warms my heart than a beautiful fall day and markets finally going a little bit higher.
0: Yeah, that's great, Ryan. It was a great week in the market, uh, which has been an otherwise not so great year. You know, simply because we have you know everything going down uh, in the market this year because of inflation. Inflation's higher. The Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. Everything's priced to interest rates. But you know, just like this nasty cold i fight fighting right now, right? This too
3: shall end. <laughs> well, it's funny you said about inflation. Um, and I know we've all have been feeling it. But like last night, I went out, met my friend, um, had like two Negronis. So I was feeling a little buzz. And I was like, on the way home, I'm gonna get a piece of pizza. I'm gonna get a slice of pie. Nothing like a good slice of New York pizza. So I go order the pizza, the, the whole nine yards. Get the pepperoni, like the the best piece of pizza you could possibly imagine. How much do you think that piece of pizza costs, Bob? I think uh, more than last year. You gonna say two dollars, three dollars. What's your get? What's your best guess? Uh, I'm gonna say two dollars. Ten dollars, Bob, for a <laughs> slice. Ten dollars for a slice of pizza, it, and you know what is it? Dough, tomato. I mean, I, I, it had pepperoni, a lot of pepperonis. I'll say that, but uh, but yeah, it, it's unbelievable right now how high inflation's gone. And I think, you know, as the Americans, like, we've never really experienced this in, I mean, really since, like, the early 80s, Uh, back when you were building your career. I remember you told me about your first mortgage. It was, like, 10%, you know. So you have a whole generation now that are experiencing these higher prices for the first time. And to your point, it's really weighing on the economy. It's weighing on the American consumer. And, you know, more than anything, it's weighing on the stock market because you just don't know when it's going to end.
0: Well, Ryan, that's why investing is so difficult. It's so counterintuitive. Uh, you know, I've always taught you since the day you were able to think about investing that stocks are the slaves of earning power, right? It all depends on profits and earnings. And believe it or not, earnings are up this year, right? They're up 5% from last year. Earnings estimates are coming down right now. But earnings estimates right now are actually higher than they were at the end of 2021. And we had a great Sloth of earnings this week, where we had surprises to the upside. You know, you take the best bank in the world, right there in New York City, J.P. Morgan Bank. Right, they reported earnings. The stock was up 10% last week. It was up another 10% this week. Um, you know, on good earnings. So, you know, the the, the hardest thing about investing is you've got to be able to buy at the right price. And the only thing that's happened this year is that prices have come down so that earnings are the same, so you're actually getting stocks cheaper today than you have yeah. at any time in the last
3: 10 years. Well, it reminds me of that famous quote of, in the short term, the market's a voting machine, and in the long term, the market's a weighing machine. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. The voting machine is everyone's so focused on what the Fed's going to do. That's all you hear about. You know, Is the Fed going to raise interest rates 0.75%, 0.5%? What are they going to do with interest rates next year? They keep talking tough on inflation and, you know, it's, it's a little bit unnerving because, you know, when you look out and there is good news out there, that's the thing. You know, you're hearing all this bad news, but the economy in general, it's not like the 70s, right? When you had, and you can talk about the 70s, Dad, when, uh, you know, unemployment was extremely high. You know, you used to have, you, have that, you had an oil shortage where people were just waiting in line at the gas station to, to, you know, ration out oil. And meanwhile, right now, we have an abundance in the economy, right? We know inflation is, is high, but, also, you have full employment right now. You know, everybody can get a job right now. Wages are going up. You know, inflation is going up more. And to your point,ing earnings have been fantastic. But right now, it's just the sentiment so dour, and there's so much nervousness out there because no, everyone feel it feels like everyone's waiting for this economy to fall off the cliff. And you know, I don't think it is well that 's what most of
0: the pundits you know they like to follow the popular opinion when things are down it 's easier to be negative you know when things are up it 's easier to be positive you can 't turn on television right now you can 't pick up a newspaper you can 't read a magazine where the economist or the prognosticator or the investment specialist is is not negative or bearish because you know they tend to go with the trend so it 's really tough to be counterintuitive but when you look at you know just look at that piece of pizza rye you paid. You know, ten dollars a slice, well, the profit margin on that piece of pizza was huge, and that's what's <laughs> happening and that's what corporate America does it's not their fault that we have inflation. they're smart people that's why investing in good companies has always been a great hedge against inflation because they're able to raise their prices right now to overcome inflation and I'm going to let you in a little dirty little secret right I mean when inflation down. does peak and inflation does come down. I don't think you're going to see prices come down very, very quickly. I think these <laughs> companies are going to continue to make a lot of money, and the earnings are going to stay high. You just got to recognize now that prices are better, valuations are better than they've been, and you got to kind of look through that fear and be able to make smart investments because you do need that hedge against inflation in your portfolio.
3: Well, it's a really good point, right, because what we want to be is we don't want to just be the consumer, but we want to be the owner as well, right? And that's where you have to start thinking about, we know cash right now, if you're sitting in a savings account they're still being very stingy with their interest rates. (laughs) I think the average money market in the country still pays under 1%. That's not real helpful when you have 8% inflation. Um, So you have to start thinking about getting a return on your money. And to your point, Bob, when you own companies uh, that are raising their prices, you benefit as the actual shareholder. And I think that's a really important point here because inflation is eating your lunch right now. And as an American consumer, you have to be smart about it, especially – you know, we work with a lot of people that are in that, what we call that financial red zone. You're 10 years away from retirement. Maybe you're retired now, um, and your costs are going to continue to go up throughout your lifetime. You can't sit in cash. You can't put your head in the sand. And meanwhile, right now, to your point, cash flow is rich, right? If you look at bonds, interest on bonds now, it's more attractive than it's been in over 10 years. You're getting four point almost 4.5% on a 10-year treasury now. That's amazing, right? We weren't getting those kind of yields six months ago. We were barely getting a percentage point. And talking about the stock market, you look at dividends, cash flow. It's going to be the highest cash flow ever paid ever in the history of the stock market this year. So cash flow out there is rich, and you've got to take advantage of it because you have to fight inflation.
0: Hey, Roy, I don't know if you recognize this or not, if you've been watching television, seen any commercials, but, you know, it's an election coming up in two and a half weeks. And, you know, what happens to the market when there's a midterm election? Now, it, I don't know if you were this was lost on you or not today, but, you know, Steve Moore – couldn't be on the show today because he's out there campaigning, right? He's helping the Republicans, you know, to take back the House and the Senate while the president of the United States is sitting in Delaware not campaigning anywhere. So there might (laughs) be a little change in Washington in the next two and a half weeks. But here's what happens. Regardless of what happens in the election, historically, there's never been a time where the financial markets haven't done better after a midterm election. and That's only two and a half weeks away. So, you know, so if
3: you're stressed about the market right now, give it a little bit of time. Well, that's a good point, too, right? We have so much negativity factored in to the world right now, whether it's war in Ukraine, you know, whether it's the fact that we have an energy shortage in in Europe, uh, you know, whether it's the fact that we have 40-year high inflation here in the U.S., whether it's the Fed with this hawkish policy that we've never seen before, where they've raised rates so extreme in such a short period of time that mortgage rates now are 7%. Right, so so we're talking about all the negative, and all the negatives kind of been factor in. To your point, what if we get some positive news? <laughs> you know, and, and if we do, and to your point, Bob, whenever you have a midterm election, you get more gridlock. And ideally, if the if Republicans, let's say, take the House, which is highly likely, you create more gridlock. Markets love gridlock. You know, capital markets love the fact when nothing extreme happens. And if that happens, to your point, historically, you get a phenomenal return after you get some sort of midterm election. And if there's uncertainty in that midterm, man, oh, man, it doesn't get better than that.
0: Well, you're just saying, Rob, I wonder what happens if you get a little good news. Well, that's what happened this week. We had really good news on earnings, right? Companies came in and beat expectations. We had, you know, a hint from one Federal Reserve governor who said, hey, maybe we're going to slow down on these increases in interest rates. You know, just a hint, just a rumor of a hint, and you saw the market take off 5% in one week. Now, yes. we are at an all-time record high back in January. If we have eight more days like we did on Friday, <laughs> we're back to those highs. Eight more days, right? That's all we're talking about.
3: That's all it takes, and that's a great point because, you know, I think one of the biggest mistakes we make as investors and we're trying to plan out a retirement is let's wait for the news to get better. I just want to wait until, you know, we hear some modicum of good news out there, but the problem is markets react before the news. So the market's going to recover. and It's going to go up quick. It's going to go up fast before anything gets better. In fact, if you look at it historically, markets tend to recover before the unemployment number goes up or before there's any real damage in the economy. So I think what you have to think about right now as you plan out for retirement, you're trying to grow your assets, you're trying to make smart decisions, is embrace the volatility, embrace the uncertainty, because we got a big preview on Friday when things turn. It's going to be so fast, your head's going to spin, and you're going to miss all the opportunity. And I think that's what you got to view today, right? This is the opportunity. This is the time you've got to make those proactive moves. Yeah, I absolutely agree, right? And, and, look, we just made a lot of money
0: in housing. Housing had a terrific three years. Well, housing is going to start going down right now, right? So, again, we're going to see the price of our homes maybe drop a little bit because of these higher interest rates. But And, and you have inflation. Inflation is insidious. It's hidden. It's a tax um, it's a tax that, you know, we all pay no matter what your tax bracket is. So you got to be certain that you have a position in your portfolio where you can overcome that inflation going forward, and that's why you have to be invested. You can't sit here and wait to time these things. You can't wait for this capitulation that all these analysts keep telling me is going to come. What are you going to capitulate into? Are you going to sell out of the stock market into the bond market that's already down? right? Everything's already down. There's already been capitulation. So you've got to be smart. You've got to think like an investor. Think long term. Think like the market does. Look forward, not backwards.
3: Bob, you've got to be fired up now. And in fact, for the show today, we're going to leave it open for the first 10 callers today. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, we're going to offer to run our total financial master plan. And we'll do that no obligation or cost. Our firm, Payne Capital Management, right here in New York City, P-A-Y-N-E. That's how we spell it. No pain, no gain. We'll run through our total financial master plan. We'll do it with no obligation or cost. It's like a full holistic review. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We'll build your own personalized financial portal. You know, we'll go through your income plan. We'll look at how to take Social Security, how to generate income on your portfolio, factor in inflation because inflation is real. It's going up. It's going to double over your lifetime. You've got to figure out how to have a cash flow plan or an income plan that's going to work. We'll help you with that. We'll do a full analysis of your diversification you're getting hit hard this year, you're not diversified properly, we'll show you how to fix that. you're sitting in cash paralysis by analysis, earning nothing on your money, as inflation's at 40-year highs, we'll put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life, and we'll look at fees and taxes. Wall Street, they love to sell you high-cost products like annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products. We'll go through everything you own, show you where all the hidden costs are, reduce that cost, optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take We're going to give you our tax playbook, show you how to do that. Again, 10 callers throughout the show. If you call or text right now, uh, we'll put together our full review at no obligation or cost.
0: All you have to do is call this number, 844-752-6692, or you can text 844-752-6692, or simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844 a n n y c. You have to be one of our next 10 callers. If you have a million dollars saved for your retirement, our team of financial advisors, our certified financial planners, will create for you your own unique total financial master plan, no obligation, no cost. You won't have a plan. It'll text or call 844-752-6692 or just simply call
3: 844-PLAN-NYC. All right. Well, we got a special guest coming on the show in a couple minutes. Um, but before that, Bob, here's Bob with his market commentary. Hey, Rod, it was a great week this week on the street of dreams. The Dow Jones industrial average raced
0: to its best three week stretch since November of 2020, boosted by the prospect of a slower pace of interest rate increases and the latest batch of corporate earnings, which were surprisingly good. All three major indices ended with weekly gains of at least 4.7%, a reprieve after a prolonged period of volatility that has been marked by big swings for stocks and bonds around the globe. Now the Dow and the SP 500 finished their best weeks since June, while the NASDAQ closed with its best weekly close since July. Now, major indices turned higher, and Treasury yields paused their climb as the Wall Street Journal reported that the Federal Reserve officials are set to raise interest rates by three-quarters of one percent at their next meeting in November, but are poised to debate, shifting to perhaps a smaller increase in December. Worries about the pace of interest rate increases and whether they will help drive the U.S. into a recession have driven a sharp sell-off throughout the year. Now, the yield on the 10-year Treasury note slipped a little bit Friday, but it's climbed now for 12 consecutive weeks, and it notched its largest gains over such a stretch since 1987. The yield on the benchmark note ended the week at 4.2%. That's near the highest level of the past decade. The yield on the two-year Treasury note, which is typically more sensitive to interest rate expectations, also slipped Friday, ending the week close to 4.5%. But overall, it was a great week in the markets in what's been, let's face it, a very bad year, especially for conservative investors who tend to follow a more conservative, more balanced approach with a diversified portfolio that historically has always been less volatile. Now, of course, that's the theory. The reality is this year, a balanced portfolio of high-quality stocks and high-quality bonds is having its worst total return performance in a century. The culprit an unusual economic and market environment. Stock prices often drop because of faltering demand, which usually reduces inflation and actually helps bond prices. Lower inflation normally cuts bond yields, which move inversely to bond prices. But this year, both stocks and bonds are falling because of high inflation. Now, the Federal Reserve is hiking interest rates so rapidly that on those bonds are rising also, and their prices as a result of higher yields are falling. Fortunately, This can't and won't last forever. The balanced portfolio's value will eventually rise as stocks have never suffered a permanent dip in value ever in history, or its value will stabilize as the individual bonds in your portfolio mature and come due at face value, and then you can thus invest them at a higher interest rate. Of course, both stocks and bonds could recover even more rapidly once the Fed stops raising interest rates or announces their intentions to stop raising interest rates. But as one analyst put this week, this volatile opera ain't over until the Fed lady sings. Hey, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, I need to have a portfolio that's based better on what's going on in this market. Well, keep in mind, my son Ryan and I, we have 68 years combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-exempt, gold-based portfolios. You can get a free evaluation by simply text or calling us right now at 844-752-6692 or just simply call 844 844- plan and my city
4: your health is important your sexual health is very important And like everything else, it has challenges. As many as 50% of men over 50 have sexual-related difficulties like ED, low testosterone, and low energy. That's where they come in. Elevate Wellness has real professional and in-person solutions. Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Or visit elevatewellnessgroup.com and get back to where it started. Office visits, only $99 this month.
2: It's more money
3: all right, we're back. It's Ryan Payne and Bob Payne filling in for Steve Moore today. And we've got a very special a guest on the show this afternoon. We've got Paul Loonsis. Mr. Loonsis began his investment career working for Royce & Associates. He founded Loonsis Asset Management, performed several research projects for Warren Buffett, Chairman and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, we all know. And Paul is a frequent guest on John Casimides' Cats at Night at 5 p.m. program on 7-7-WABC, and Paul, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for uh, joining us, talk of markets, talk the economy. What are you seeing out there right now?
1: Uh, thank you, Ryan, for having me. I really appreciate it. I enjoy the show. Um, I think, you know, the core CPI, when the CPI came out, the overall CPI came out, um, it's, of course, a lagging indicator. But when it came out at 8.2, it was a little better than August is 8.3. And, you know, that seemed positive, but really what really spooked the market is the, the core CPI, which excludes food and energy, that rose. July, it was 5-9. August, it was 6-3. and September, it was 6-6. Six, six. And that just created, you know, a lot of consternation, and the market really really got hit because of that. People are concerned that it's more permanent and it's going to be in there for a longer period of time than people had anticipated, meaning interest rates, um, you know, they're going to continue to go up. And you combine that with a, a labor market cooling, housing slowing as rates keep rising, and retail sales were reasonably flat in September. And combined with that, people like Jamie Dimon and Jeff Bezos and Ray Dalio and others are really concerned about the high probability of a recession. So you put all of that together, and I think the markets have been kind of concerned, and they're so used to historically over the last decade the Fed stepping in. And, um, you know, stopping raising rates like they did in December of eighteen, when uh, the Fed funds rate, they rose at the two, two and a half. The market immediately went down almost 20 percent and they started, they pivoted. So I think that's a lot of what's driving the market is, you know, when Mary Daly made a comment recently, the San Francisco Fed governor, that um, perhaps, you know, rates are going to start slowing. Um, but she also said they're probably going to go to four, four and a half, five percent before that.
3: Yeah. No, that's true, and, you know, I wonder. I mean, the Fed is ruining everything <laughs> from a market perspective.
1: You're exactly right. That's a better way
3: <laughs> of saying it, Ryan. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, and I wonder because, you know, you made a good point. The inflation numbers are backwards looking, and, you know, 40% of that number happens to be real estate and housing, and we know on the ground floor, unless you're living under a rock, I mean, the housing market's slowing drastically right now. I mean, if you have 7% mortgage rates you know, no one's buying anything, if you live in your home now, you're afraid to move because you're probably locked into a really attractive interest rate, which keeps supply low. And I have to think at some point that's going to start to be factored into those inflation numbers. And when it does, and it seems to me like that CPI number, inflation number, could come down precipitously and come down quickly, is the Fed here, are they behind the eight ball again, just like they were last year and they told us that inflation wasn't real?
1: God, Ryan, that's really hard to know. Um, you know, the, the Fed certainly – you know, made a miscalculation regarding the the, the strength of um, inflation and so forth. Um, It's a real challenge to be in there, um, you know, where they are right now, because as they continue to raise rates because of what, you know, we talked about the lagging indicator, you know, could it fall precipitously, you know, in January or February um, they're in a real conundrum because they have to get inflation under control. I think something like one in six households is below in their utility payments, wow. and if gas prices keep rising, that's almost twenty million households, and that's here in the U.S. Let alone what's happening in Europe. So it's it's a really, you know, it's a really uncertain time, and and people don't know. And then I think you know the earnings when you look at the S and P. You know, are they going to make 220 this year, down from 240, 250, 260? And then a lot of people are projecting it's only going to go to 220, stay the same, or go up a couple bucks in 2023. 2023. So it's really hard to forecast. I'm not smart enough um, to really know how to do that. And, you know, and I, I just worry, Ryan, too, that we've gone from QE all these years and low inflation, very low interest rates, and now we're going to QT. That really concerns me liquidity in markets. Inflation is not low anymore. It's rising. And then the debt levels, you know, a lot of, a lot of things, misallocation of capital, companies with too much debt, et cetera, have really been obfuscated or kind of helped along because rates have been so low so long. If rates go up and stay up, I, I don't know if the global economy, our economy in the U S can really withstand it.
0: Well, that's kind of what's been happening, Paul. I mean, the market's uh, seeing that. That's why you're seeing valuations come down. And, by the way, um, back in the 80s and 90s, I made a lot of money in the Rice Funds, so thank you very much. Um, <laughs> no. And, you know, thinking about those, where, where do you see, as an investor, where to you put your money today? Do you, do you think large company stocks, small company stocks? Um, where, where's an investor to put money today to take advantage of, of this uncertainty, because that's really where you make money. We make money when everybody's not looking to make money.
1: No, I I agree with that. On the equity side, it's still challenging, although the S&P has come down from 21 or so times earnings down to 15, 16. And if rates keep rising, those multiples may continue to come down. I think the fixed income side for the first time in a long time is at least starting to be, I know, money market funds that we have for clients, we're getting two and a half, three percent 3% from nothing. Um, and, and we think there's other interesting areas in the fixed income area, preferreds, um, even munis and corporates. They're all becoming more attractive. Um, but don't forget, you know, the baseline was you were earning very, very little. <laughs> but I think they're all interesting places. Short-term treasuries, you know, the two-year treasury is reasonable, um, you know, and we typically, Ryan, hold things to the call date or to the to, to maturity, whatever. Um, but I think, you know, I think fixed income for the first time, I'm not saying go piling in, but I think it's becoming at least an area that you can focus on now, whereas, you know, you're getting some yield, reasonable yield versus nothing not that long ago.
3: Yeah, and not that long ago, like six months ago, which is kind of crazy how quickly uh, everything is kind of turned on a dime here. Like we went from, like you call, quantitative easing to quantitative tightening overnight it's like you know we like to say you know the, the fed is take the punch bowl away <laughs> and it and it hurts it hurts economically um but you know what, what does surprise me a little bit is and look i know we all have the scars on our back um from a lot of economic cycles um you know i remember i got in the business when the tech bubble burst uh, the housing crisis and the great financial crisis which i think i have the most scars on my back from personally is, you know, I remember when that was happening and remember looking at the economy and it kind of was justified, right? I mean, you would go out and you'd see all these vacant um, developments out there where people had just overbuilt or, you know, construction had just gone crazy and there wasn't demand for it. You know, the, the, the dynamics today aren't the same, right? We still have a very strong employment market. Um, you know, I realize inflation is beating out wages, but we do know for the most part, it's still like for every one point six, seven jobs, there's only one person looking. It's probably one of the tightest labor markets in history. Um, and that probably is going to continue because think about this. In the next 10 years, you're going to have 70 million baby boomers retire and birth rates in this country are at like the lowest levels ever. So, you know, there's a chance that labor markets going to stay tight for a long time. Inflation could come down here, which means real wages could go up. And you mentioned retail sales being relatively flat. People are still spending even with high inflation. To some extent here, the consumer is not in horrible shape, and we know the consumer basically drives the whole economy here in the U.S.
1: No, those are great, great points. The consumer, you know, 60 70% of the economy is the consumer. And, you know, just every one of the points you made is a, is a very, very good one. But it will be interesting to see, Ryan, long-term You know, the fertility rate has to be at 2.1 for demographics. It'll be very interesting to see where the economy heads. And if you listen to the bank conference calls, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan and Jamie Dimon, et cetera, they talk about the consumer seems to be doing just fine. On the other hand, inflation's up there, and I agree with you 100%. I don't think housing, we're nowhere near the issues we had, low-pay, you know, low-doc, no-doc loans, the credit quality sounds um I don't really worry about a housing crisis. I do think house prices will continue to come down as rates go up, but we're, we're nowhere near any of that. So that's part of Ryan what's creating that's what's creating the, the the concern and the uncertainty. On the one hand, the consumer seems good, reasonably good, in good shape. on the other hand, inflation keeps going up, core inflation keeps going up, and it's really hard when you look out three, six, nine months, where are we going to be? It's hard to know.
0: Yeah, you know, speaking of inflation, Paul. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts about oil and energy and the price of energy? It's it's been all over the place over the last couple of months. Where do you think that's headed?
1: Well, you know, that's really hard to predict. I, I just think it saddens me. Um, you know, the the current uh, current leadership in our country. They, I just think they need a more balanced approach. We need nuclear. Um, it would be great if we could get even more nuclear. These new small modular reactors. We need natural gas. We need oil. And that doesn't mean not focus on and continue the very strong focus on renewables, hydro and, and, and solar, et cetera. But I just think we need all of those. And most people don't know America is really the largest energy producer in the world, both oil and natural gas. And so I, I, think, I think really trying to attack them is a mistake I think not only is it an economic issue, jobs and and rising inflation, et cetera, it's also a national security issue. So I just would like to see the government, whoever's in, I'm not taking sides (laughs) here, Democrat, Republican, just, you know, focus on growing our energy.
3: National security is a huge issue, and economically it's a huge issue. Well, it's a great point because, I mean, we're still producing less than we did before the pandemic, so we know we can produce more. It's not a problem at all, you know, and that's where the government should step in, maybe create some subsidies, give an incentive to produce more, because we know that oil companies want to make profits. They're scared to produce too much because the prices were so low the last decade. But, you know, realistically, let's let's you know, be real here. There's the optimist in me. We've got you know a situation where oil prices have come down a lot, right? We're well under $100 a barrel like we were a couple months ago, and that's very dis- disinflationary um and that really feeds into everything and you know really manufacturing you know everything you need energy to do anything in this country right or anywhere in the world so that's coming down we know housing again is coming down that's all going to come into those inflation numbers we mentioned the consumer being a lot better shaped than they were you know a decade ago when we had the great financial crisis or a little longer than that you know i think there is next 10, ten months out you heard it here first is i think there's a chance for a softer landing where we're actually in a pretty decent place. Wages are still strong. Inflation came down a lot. The Fed's done their hiking. And if profits continue to stay relatively strong, then man, oh, man, you know, we're going to be in a pretty good place. And I don't think anyone's talking enough about that, that, you know, we could actually have an optimistic viewpoint when we get out 12 months from here.
1: I don't disagree with that, Ryan. Certainly neither of us can predict. But, you know, at the end of the day, one of the concerns about oil and gas, don't forget China's really in a shutdown um, you know, given COVID and what's going on there, I know they're in Congress. They didn't report their numbers. I don't know why. Um, but China's really slow. They've been a growth engine of the global economy. And part of the reason, I think, why oil in particular, which is more global, gas is catching up with LNG, but one of the reasons oil is down is because the global economy is not growing. If the global economy was growing, in my mind, the way it was three and four years ago pre the pandemic, I think oil prices could be 120, 130 because there's just not that much, you know, swing production out there. There's just not much available, um, and so I, I just, I just think we're fortunate in the on the one hand because economies aren't growing, which certainly overall is a negative, but that's impacting and, and making for lower oil prices than I think would otherwise be the case if China was growing five and six percent and was the global, you know. Um, Global grower really helping the global economy. And in the States, you know, our, our GDP hasn't grown much. It's been negative. So I think that's a big issue that's contributed to lower oil prices.
0: You know, speaking of oil, you know, you have to buy oil in dollars. I see the dollar has been just ramping straight up all year uh, over the last 12 months. How, did, what do you, how do you feel about that, Paul? Why, why is our dollar so strong, and what do you think the next move is on the dollar?
1: That's a really good question. I think um, the dollar will remain strong. I think people, rightly or wrongly, globally, come like to buy the dollar for the safety and security. I think our interest rates are higher than virtually anywhere in the world. Um, a while back, uh, interest rates around the world were negative, and we were still slightly positive. So I just think and, – and that has a lot of deleterious effects on our companies. Forty percent of revenue, I think, of the S&P 500 companies – is coming from abroad, so and you can see in some of the earnings calls, companies are starting to get hit because um, you know their their products are more expensive abroad because of the dollar. And then there's also the issue of emerging markets with dollar denominated debt. That's a concern. Um, you know the ability to pay things back it's getting harder and harder for them as the dollar keeps soaring. So I don't know why the dollar would start coming down. I mean, I'm certainly not making predictions. Again, that's not, right. I'm not smart right. enough, but yeah. I just think the dollar is going to yeah. stay strong.
3: Hey, if, if we really knew, Paul, we'd be on our yacht. Um, but look, thank you. Thank yeah. you very much yeah. for, <laughs> I, yeah. you know, if You're I could right predict about those that, moves. Ryan. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thanks for being on the show today. A great conversation. And, you know, I, there, there are some headwinds out there, but I still maintain here there's some optimism too. And uh, I feel like it's a great time historically to be an investor. So, Paul, thanks for being on the show. And uh, we got a lot more coming your way, so stay tuned for more, more money.
4: If you're suffering from ED, you're not alone. 60% of men over 60 have this problem. Help is out there. The professionals at Elevate Wellness can help you be the man you used to be. They've helped thousands of patients and have a 96% success rate. What are you waiting for? Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Your first visit is only $99. ElevateWellnessGroup.com. Help is out there. ElevateWellnessGroup.com.
2: Economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy, he's leading economist Steve Moore. With more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore.
3: All right, we're back. Ryan Payne, Bob Payne, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E filling in for Steve today, and we're going to answer your questions today. We're going to open the lines in about five minutes or so. We're going to talk about anything with the economy, financial planning, anything you want to ask us. Bob and I today are going to answer your questions. Just simply call into 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-922. Bob and I are going to answer all your questions today. The lines are open. It's going to get crazy. And, Bob, you know, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. We've talked a lot about the economy, a lot about the markets. Um, but, you know, what we do at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E again, no pain, no gain, as we like to say, is we spend most of our time helping people with their retirement plans, right? That's all we do. We think about financial planning, how to build out a portfolio, how to live off your money, all that exciting stuff. And, you know, the one thing we found in our collective 75 years is a lot of putting together like a financial game plan is a light that's a lot like having a personal trainer and you know i have a personal trainer personally because i will never work out on my own i need to be forced to uh, or nothing ever gets done
0: well you know right? it's a it's true i mean if you don't have a, a personal trainer you're not accountable to somebody else you keep procrastinating and you know next thing you know you're if you start procrastinating uh you're retired and nothing's gotten done right so you know it's it's a lot easier to, to eat chocolate cake than it is to do crunches or lift weights so having someone you're accountable to not only works when it comes to working out but it definitely works well with financial planning because i can't think of anything more boring
3: than financial planning <laughs> we find it interesting at least and it's the same thing right going to the gym is kind of like ah it's no fun to go to the gym nobody wants to get up and and go out there and and move around like it's the hardest thing to do especially first thing in the morning but it's one of those things when you do it you get in front of it and you you know take care cleanse that I call the uh, the physical demons or financial demons you feel so much better and it's just like just thinking about the simple things like no one wants to do a budget there's nothing fun about doing a budget you don't want to know you know what it is Bob no one wants to know how much they really spend <laughs> you know, like it, it's like when I look at my credit card bill every month sometimes it's like ah did I really spend money on that well that's what happened I mean I just got a
0: call from my attorney this week who who had uh, one of his clients who's now going to become one of our clients who wanted to invest in this real estate deal it was a closed end limited partnership where they were going to guarantee you get a monthly income, not exactly how much uh, you would have liquidity, but they wouldn't create any secondary market. Um, so it, 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 sounded great. We're going to give you a monthly income. It's going to be great to be backed by high quality real estate. Uh, it's of course, once we got the perspectives of the memorandum, we found out that it, there was 20 pages out of a hundred pages of the memorandum were based on risk factors. And the risk factors basically said you could lose all or, you know, some or all of your money and you may never be able to get it out. So, you know, you you need someone to look at these things because there's a lot of people out there that will tell you things that you assume they're telling you the truth, but they're
3: not. Bob, are you telling me in the financial services industry there's a lot of charlatans out there? I can't a believe it. charlatans. Right? Shocking. You know, I'll tell you what. Most of these <laughs> products that they, they package, and, and the, the
0: prettier the brochure, the harder the sell, usually the higher the fees. You know, the simpler the investment, the better it is, right? We believe simplicity over complexity, and we find most of
3: you have a lot of complexity in your portfolio that you don't really need. Well, it's kind of scary because a lot of these products are designed to be sold, um, like we say, not bought. And, you know, when you start looking at, like, a lot of these annuities out there, insurance products, and I always joke you have to have a black belt (laughs) in 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 financial uh, wizardry to, like, figure out how a lot of these things work. And, Bob, you have an old saying, you know, buying an annuity or some of these financial products is like Chinese food. It tastes so good going down, you know, that that pitch sounded so good, income for life or whatever their pitch is, but you always feel so empty later. You know, you come out of these meetings like, I have no idea what I just signed up for. I have no idea what this financial person was talking about. And, you know, I imagine a lot of you out there listening today have had the same experience. And if you want to talk about that today, um, you'll know, get online. Give us a call at one 800 That's wabc 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. And, you know, we're going to put our first caller on the line here. Maria comes in, and she has a question about where she should invest her money right now. Maria, thanks for joining the call today for the show. Yes. Hello, gentlemen. Um, I don't have much money. I'm on a fixed income and in Social Security, but I do have $5,000 sitting in a savings account, which is doing nothing. What should I do with that? Can you give me a suggestion? Well, the
0: best thing to do right now is check with the bank. It's a problem I find with bank accounts. Is they, even though interest rates, short term interest rates, as we talked about earlier today, have risen pretty dramatically from zero where they were, you know, a couple of months ago to where you can earn two and a half to 3% in a, in a, you know, insured money market fund. So if your bank isn't willing to do that for you, take a look and see what type of CD rates they have right now where you're probably going to be able to get, you know, close to 4%, four and a half percent on a relatively short term. FDIC-insured certificate of deposit. And if they're not willing to help you, go visit another bank or, you know, talk to another firm because the short-term rates are attractive now, and been, the one benefit that came out of this high inflation is savers are now actually able to get a good return on their money.
3: If you put it in a CD, you have to leave it in for a certain amount of time?
0: Yes, you can, you can invest it for a three-month period, six-month period, one-year period, you choose.
3: And you don't recommend that I should – buy stocks with it. Well it depends how long term that money is. Um, the problem with the stock market is it's very, very volatile in the short term, Marie. So, you know, Maria, if you if you want that to hold on to that money, if you don't if you don't mind the volatility for another 10 years, 15 years, or maybe it's for the next generation down the line, then maybe it makes sense. But I mean if it's money that you know you need to have there and you don't want to have it risk, uh, right now to Bob's point, a lot of these risk-free rates uh, have come up a lot. Um, and, yeah, I would definitely check and see what you're getting on your money market fund because it's probably lousy. Okay. All right. So I will speak with the bank. Thank you so much. All right, Maria. Have a great day. Thanks for calling in. And, again, if you want to call in and talk to Bob and I, uh, go to 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. And, Bob, you know, when it comes to financial planning, it comes to, to you know really a personal trainer, I think a lot of it is you know you might work on your own, do your own investments, and you might have a passion for it. Maybe you go up and watch CNBC, Fox Business every day and try to come up with ideas. But what I found as like a personal trainer is this is all they do and this is all they think about. So they're always thinking about things that you and I aren't. Like when it comes to getting in shape, like every year I'm getting a little bit older and we keep readjusting my workout – Uh, to to really meet my needs because it changes over time. And I feel like financial planning is the same way. Like your life's going to change all the time. Tax laws are changing all the time. Investment opportunities are changing all the time. You need someone who's on the pulse of that, and they're thinking about that literally all the time.
0: You couldn't be more right, right? When you think about a personal trainer, one thing I really don't like about my trainer, they make me work on muscles that I don't want to work on, right? (laughs) I I like to work on things that are comfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Right. There's, as they say, right. There's no change outside the comfort zone. So, you know, I I'd like to work on things that 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 don't hurt as much. Everything they have me work on, it hurts. And that's where a good financial advisor comes into play. Just take this last year, right? You know, when you look at the markets, you talk to the average investor. Oh, it's a horrible year. Everything's down. Well, everything isn't down, right? Energy stocks are up. We have investments in in energy pipeline uh, partnerships that pay a really good income. Right, commodities have done extremely well. So unless you have an advisor who looks at your portfolio and helps you to build a plan and truly diversifies that plan, you don't know what you don't know. And it's like again, if you just keep working on the same areas of your body, you're going to look pretty funny after a couple of months, right? Because the other parts of your body are going to atrophy. Same thing's
3: going to happen to your portfolio when you hit a big bear market like we have right now. I just want big biceps. I'll have a big beer belly as well, Bob. That's that's what I'm. That's look I'm going for. Uh, We've get another caller coming in. we got Tom coming in. Uh, Tom is calling in, and he has a question about where, where to put his money right now. Tom, what's on your mind today? Thanks for calling in.
2: Hi. Hi. Thanks for your show. Could you please tell me what is a
5: closed-end fund? And um, Someone recommended to me CLM, CLM as a ticker, and just said put a little bit of money into that monthly, just a little bit to catch like a dollar-cost average, because it pays an extremely high
1: dividend. And uh, what do you?
3: Can you please tell me your thoughts on that? Oh my God, we have a lot of thoughts on this. First off, closed-end funds are a very dangerous investment, um, and a lot of them are down a lot right now because, you know, Bob has a famous saying: "More money has been lost chasing yield than the point of a gun." Meaning, a lot of these yields are really attractive, but they're attractive because they're using leverage, meaning they're borrowing against the assets within the fund. So you might see like a, a yield of seven, eight percent. But a lot of those closing funds this year are down 30% plus because of that leverage. Bob, you want to add something there? Because that's that's a big one. We look at that all the time.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question because when you, when you think about funds, right, you have mutual funds, which were created back around 1919 was the first mutual fund. And an open-ended mutual fund is an investment where you pull money together with investors like you and us, and we put it all together, and it only trades once a day, right, at the end of the day, it uh, sets its its value, what they call the net asset value, and you can buy or sell it. Um, so that's, a, that's an open-ended fund. A closed-end fund is they buy a set amount of investments. So in this case, it might be a, a group of bonds. And uh, in a lot of cases, Ryan says, they can use leverage. So with a closed-end fund, it can trade all day long. But typically what happens with a closed-end fund is you're invested in a pool of investments that are typically higher risk. Uh, in a lot of cases, they use leverage, and leverage cuts both ways, right? So if, if things go up, it's going to go up more than the market. When it goes down, it's going to go down more than the market. And it's not unusual you know, to see something like CLM, um, which is a closed-end fund, that to be down much more than the market and much more than the risk you understood that you were taking. So I find that when it comes to closed-end funds, in my career, most of those investments were sold to investors, not bought. Matter of fact, I've never had anyone in my almost 50 years call me up and say, hey, Bob, buy me a closed-end fund, right? It's usually something where, you know, you're out there being told to buy it. Yeah. And um, just to give you an idea, that, that fund this year is down almost 37%. Um, and it's uh, supposedly a, a safe investment. Yeah. So I wouldn't walk from that investment. I would run. Yeah.
3: But thanks for calling in, Tom. I think you know where we stand on now. We've got a lot of calls coming in here. So why don't we go to Tracy as well. Tracy wants to know about 529 plans. Tracy, talk to us. What's going on?
2: Oh, hi.
1: Yes, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a daughter who's a junior in high school right now. And um, I had a 529 plan with about $130,000 in it. With all the changes in the stock market now, it's down to 100000 I had it put in more of the aggressive um, portfolio of the 529 plan, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, with her going to school in two years, should I move that money to more conservative? I'm afraid I'm going to lose, you know, whatever I had, but I'm also concerned with her going to school in two years.
3: Yeah, no, that's a great question, and that's why, you know, with these 529 plans, you kind of want to follow there. They usually have a strategy where it automatically gets more conservative over time um, because, you know, the, the point is, and this is just like retirement too, we, we have a rule of thumb. The closer you get to needing your money, the less dependent you want to be on the stock market because it's, it's very uncertain. Um, you know, I, I don't know all the specifics of your situation right now. You, you probably don't want to get too aggressively conservative yet with the markets down as much as they are, but any sort of rebound – uh, when you get one, because you still do have two years, which is, that's still some time. Um, but I would start to get systematically more conservative, especially as markets recover. And by the time that your daughter is in college and you are needing that money, you know, you should really get it to a point where it's almost all in safe investments because you just can't rely on the markets over shorter periods of time. And Bob, I don't know if you want to add anything there.
0: No, I think uh, 529 plans. my goodness gracious. I wish when my three children were born that they existed um, it's a great way to save for your children's education. Um, especially a client called me the other day and said that uh, Penn came to visit their daughter's campus and it's only 85000 a year to go there now. Um, <laughs> Ouch. So yeah, you want to save, uh, but I think the what we call the age-based strategy where they adjust the portfolio based on your child's age as you get closer to needing that money, the more conservative those investments get. That's the best way to do it.
3: Yeah, we've got another caller. And thanks, Tracy, for calling in. We've got Ken. He has a question about, treasuries, it looks like. Ken, talk to us. What's going on?
1: Yeah, hi, and thanks for taking my call. Um, I want to buy a one-year treasury and possibly a two-year treasury, maybe split up all the funds I want to put out uh, invest right now. And so what I wanted to know is what would happen... Like if I hold the one year treasury for the full one year, do I get all of my principal back? on the same th- uh, question for the two year.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. That's the nice thing about treasuries. You know, they're backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. It's probably the probably the safest investment on earth. Um, so you hold for the whole period of time, you get your money back, and that's why we like. Bonds, owning treasuries or other bonds that come due versus a bond fund where there is no pr- a date that the money comes due. So, that's a great way to do it, Ken. Um, and the yields right now are way more attractive than they were. So, I, I think that's absolutely a good place to put some money if it's going to be safer, more conservative, and you to get your principal back. Uh, we're going to keep moving here. Thanks, Ken, for calling in. We got John. Uh, John has a question about Biden giving money back. John, talk to us. What's on your mind?
5: Hi, how are you? Listen, uh, we got 22 million people applied for that student loan relief plan. So, we're looking at 10 grand, we're looking at 220 billion so far, and it's 20 grand for less, it's almost a half a trillion. So, my question is originally when I was younger, I remember the banks used to put out the student loans for everybody. Then the government decided to go in. So, now this is the government's problem that they could just give away our money. The banks couldn't. So, my point is, I was looking at the rates, they were 2.75 and 4% for undergraduate to graduate. In 2021, now it's 4.9 and 6.5. Why is uh, Biden's administration being uh, like a VIC or a mobster charging these high rates? Because if you bought a house at 6%, you're paying 700000 in interest. If you're buying a house at 2%, you're paying 400000 in interest. I mean, that doesn't make sense, right? I mean, the say the student loan is 200000 You get 2.9%, it's like buying a house, but you've got to pay it back. Why am I paying in every 300 million Americans paying back 22 million people's loans? I, I could agree
0: with you more. I think, first of all, that, you know, they should be forgiving loans. Um, and, of course, there's a, a circuit court that uh, just blocked that, so hopefully that uh, we see that through. But I think what the government should have done is adjusted the interest rates on the student loans down to competitive markets. I mean, there are kids stuck at 7.6%, um, like you said, higher rates that, you know, are not – in line with where we are uh, with interest rates right now. And and, and the real irony is that, you know, under the Obama administration, they actually took over student loans saying that they would save $45 billion a year and they were going to use that to fund Obamacare. And it turns out now they're giving that money away. So, you know, I don't know. I never trust the government. And um, (laughs) unfortunately, you know, with student loans, uh, I have to agree with you. I think most Americans do. We shouldn't be paying other people's debt.
3: Yeah. Thanks, John. Thanks for calling in. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. Before we go, uh, we're just going to offer one more time on the show. We still have five slots left. Uh, if you're listening today and you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan, Bob and I will run for your our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we'll literally look at everything for you. We have a collective 75 years' experience doing this. We have an office here in New York City, Philadelphia, Jacksonville, and we'll literally build you your own personalized financial portal. We'll hone in on every single financial issue you have today. We're going to look at an income plan. You know you need an income plan. How do you take Social Security? How do you draw from your portfolio without running out of money, factoring inflation? We know inflation's high right now. We're going to do a full diversity. We're going to look at every portfolio. We're going to look at your diversification. We're going to look at your asset allocation. We're going to go through, show you where your risk is. We're going to show where all the hidden cost is on your portfolio, how to reduce that cost, optimize your portfolio for taxes. Look, it's not what you make. It's what you take. And we're going to give you our full tax playbook, and we're going to look at you know, diversification from the perspective of are you just sitting in cash right now, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do with your money. We'll put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow it, show you how to protect it over the rest of your life. We have five slots left if you call right now at eight four four seven five two six six nine two. That's eight four four seven five two six six nine two. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan before the show ends, we're leaving this offer out there if you call or text right now. Um and I think from there. We'll one more question, actually, before we go, we got Paul on the line here with an economic question. Why don't we end the show with that? Hi, guys. Thanks
1: for taking my call. I'll be as brief as I can. I'm 63. I retired last year. I'm primarily living on a union pension, but I also have a 401k that's in a 2020 target fund, so it's fairly conservative with a very well-known company. The problem is it's 53% in bonds, 38% equities, and the rest is in short term. And I'm down at least 20% already. I'm afraid it's just going to keep dropping. Should I cut my losses and go to a money market? I think it's the bond thing that's scaring me is the interest rates are going up. Your thoughts?
0: Well, I think it's really hard to predict short-term, and we've had pretty much a bear market for the last 12 months. Um, and we've the first time, like I, I said earlier today, on my market commentary, this is the worst performance for a balanced portfolio in 100 years. So I would just be reluctant to make a change right now. Um, seasonality is in your favor. Typically, the market does rally you know, after uh, a midterm election. And the Federal Reserve is raising rates right now, but eventually they will stop that. And I think we've got to kind of look a little longer term. I'd hate to see it just you know, sell out the bottom here. I mean, I think the worst advice any advisor could em- give anybody is to sell low. So my advice is stay with it
3: for now. Um, and let's revisit this in a couple of months. Thanks for calling in, and thank you, everyone, today for listening. Again, for that financial review, simply call or text at 844-752-6692. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan at 844-752-6692. Have a great afternoon. Stay loose and keep an open mind.
4: Stop. ED is no laughing matter. This could be caused from low T, high blood pressure, or diabetes. Elevate Wellness can help. 40% of men over 40 have experienced this. Make the call to Elevate Wellness now. 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. The office visit is only $99 and includes exam, blood work, test dose, and consultation. Call Elevate Wellness. 973-354-2276. Or Elevate Wellness Group dot com.